You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15 is where we're going to be today. And uh, we're doing something a little bit different. Normally I'll, I'll do a series and it's somewhat contained within the month that I'm teaching through it. Uh, that just tends to be how it works. But there's sometimes that uh, I'll just continue to have just the Lord speaking to me about uh, something that he wants our church to, to dive into in a greater way. And uh, Mindsets That Matter was our series through the month of November. We did it three weeks in November. Pastor Jacob, of course, preached uh, last week. Uh, and then today, I'm going to be continuing our series, Mindsets That Matter. And it's actually going to be just the next two weeks, but I've got a word for you. Uh, and today, it actually, if, if you ha- haven't been here for this series at all, one of the things I've done is take us through the names of God. Uh, and God's names in the Bible reveal God's nature. So he's called Elohim, which is a, a divine name for God, that God by nature is uh, set apart. He's unlike us, that he's He's eternal, He's 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 powerful, he's mighty in strength, uh, and we described his attributes. He's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, he's omniscient. What, are the, what does that mean? It means he's all-powerful, he knows everything, he's everywhere. Uh, but he also is called Jehovah, or Yahweh, and it's more of a personal name of God that God gave to Israel, his people in the Old Testament, to say, I am the Lord, I am a personal Lord. God desires relationship. And often attached to that name, he would also reveal an aspect of his nature. And, and where we left off at the end of part three a couple weeks ago was the name Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. And by saying Jehovah Shalom, revealing that name, he was letting Israel, letting us know as well. He says, I am the Lord, your peace. And shalom doesn't just mean peace as an absence of conflict or an absence of turmoil or settling from anxiety, but it's something so much more. Shalom means wholeness, completeness in every part. Uh, And and we're going to look at another name uh, that goes right alongside that. And and where I left off at the end of last, uh, the last part of this series was to tell you that you have a healer. In fact, that's the title of the message today. And I want to make it personal for us. I have a healer. If you're taking notes, write that down. I have a healer. Exodus chapter 15 verse 22 says that Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days into the wilderness, but they found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink from the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of that place was called Marah, which means bitterness. And the people complained against Moses. And here's what they said, what shall we drink? So he, Moses, cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it in the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there the Lord tested them. And he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God to do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commands, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought upon the Egyptians, describing the ten plagues of Egypt. And here's what I want you to see, the next phrase. For I am the Lord who heals you. There in Hebrew is the name Jehovah, or Yahweh, Rapha. The Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim where there were 12 waters, uh, wells of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped there by the water. So, so here's the scene. Uh, 
little over a month ago, I preached on leaving Egypt and we talked about how the Israelites were brought out of captivity, out of bondage, out of 430 years of slavery in Egypt and brought out of something. I mean, just imagine 430 years is longer than the United States has been a nation. That's how long they've been slaves and captives. And God brings them out by display of his power, of his righteousness, and he brings them out and he restores to them. In fact, he literally plunders Egypt and the poorest nation of the world, Israel, who've been slaves for four centuries, becomes the wealthiest and the wealthiest nation, Egypt, becomes the poorest. In one moment, God gave them back pay for four centuries of slavery. Why am I telling you that? Because there's nothing the enemy can steal that God doesn't have the ability to give back more. And I love this because God brings them out and God begins a process of introducing and reintroducing himself to the people of God. He lets them know, this is who I am. And he makes them know that by revealing his names, revealing his nature, uh, telling them a little bit about who he is to bring them into relationship. And ultimately he has a purpose. He wants them to know him, but he's gonna bring them through the wilderness to bring them into a promised land. And in the process going from their Egypt to the desert to the promise, and all of us, by the way, have a similar process. We go from our captivity through our place of transformation into the place of promise. And just like Israel, we need something to happen. We need a transformation of a mindset. Israel, were, they were slaves in Egypt and he was gonna make them more than conquerors taking their promised land. And along the way, they were gonna have to be introduced to who God is. And I've told you through this series that mindsets that matter are shaped by knowing who God is. The two most important things in your life is what you believe about God and what you believe about yourself as a result of the knowledge of God. We're just saying that. I know who I am, who you say I am. Who I am is transformed, redeemed, set free, forgiven, rescued because of who you are, Jesus. Our identity comes from who he is. And the more we get to know him, the more we find out who we are and who we're created to be. And he brings them out and he introduces and he says, hey, I am... I'm Jehovah Rapha, I'm the Lord that heals you. Why is that important? Because God would heal them, but more than just experiencing the miraculous healing power of God was that they knew they had a healer with them. Because many people experience an act of God, a promise of God, a fulfillment in prayer, but they don't take it to the next step and allow their life to be transformed in such a way that they look at life through the lens of somebody that God walks with and that they walk with an eternal, amazing Awesome God, we live life, we're forgetting that we have the fullness of God within reach. In fact, it's even more than that. The Bible says he's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells on the inside of you, that God fills your life to lead your life, empower your life, and all of that's true, and it's meant to shape our mindsets and the way we view our future. I, I ended with this statement, and I want to revisit it for the sake of those that may not have heard it, and also just to remind those who did, that you can live, live life fearlessly knowing that you have a healer. You don't have to hold back and, and, and be afraid to walk in the purpose and the plan and the promise of God thinking, well, if I step out, I might get hurt. If, if, I, if I build new relationships, they might disappoint me. There is no thing that God can't heal. He can heal us physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. I believe that today we're gonna see families begin to be restored. And it's not because of a message or even a song that's sung today. It's because of the presence of a God who is, by nature, a healer. 
It's who he is. He makes things that are disconnected and he makes them whole. And I, I came across this definition of shalom that I thought was interesting because it's wholeness, but it's also something even greater. It's to make whole by subtraction or by addition. I thought that was interesting. By subtraction or addition. Sometimes what's keeping us from wholeness is something that needs to be subtracted. Right. Needs to be dropped. Needs to be surrendered. Needs to be laid aside. Sometimes what's keeping us from wholeness is something we need to add that God has for us. And as we look at the story in Exodus 15, it begins with a journey through a place. They actually come to the wilderness of Shur. And in the Bible, there's nothing there by accident. If you didn't know that, the Bible's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And because this book is inspired by God, it's, it's not like any other book you'll read. That's why whenever I hear people say, well, I'm just not much of a reader. Well, you haven't read this book. And I know a lot of people read it to, to prove a point. If you read it to prove a point, you won't get life in it. You may just get a good Facebook post and a good argument. Selah. Think about it. But this book is meant to transform, feed, restore, equip, challenge, convict. It's meant to do all of that. It's meant to reveal the nature of God and God gives us his word. And he feeds us with his word and he reveals who he is. But, in, but there's nothing here by accident. And the first wilderness they come to is a place called Shur. And in Hebrew, Ashur, the, literally the name of Shur means the wall, the place of the wall. And, and, and it's probably named that because they believe that, scholars believe that at that time, it was kind of the region where Egypt had set up fortifications. And it was where they had built a wall of defense for outside nations coming in. But just like some walls keep out the enemies you don't want in, some walls actually keep you trapped in where you're meant to break out. And Israel is out of their, their wall, they're at their barrier, they're at their point that they're meant to cross through. And the very next thing that happens is they come to the waters of Marah. And that, that name means bitter or bitterness. They go from the, the obstruction and the wall that's keeping them from moving forward to the place now of, of bitter waters. And, and they begin to cry out to Moses. They begin to complain to Moses. And imagine this is a people that if you just read back a couple verses, we're celebrating and praising like we did this morning. But it does, it does not take long for us to move from the place of praise to the place of criticism and complaining. None of you, second service maybe. It's easy to move, it's easy for me to lose sight of who he is and get into the place where all I'm focused on is what's not working, what's not going the way I expected, who isn't doing things the way I want them to do it. Anybody find that people in life just don't always cooperate with you? Your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, your boss, they, they just don't always think the way you think. I'm here to help somebody today. They are different than you. <laughs> that's like the biggest shock that most people find when they get married because I know when you're dating they complete me and then you find out oh they don't think like me either <laughs> and then begins the beautiful process of personal growth and transformation okay anyway but, but here's what I love about this story is that they come to the place of a, of a wall of a barrier to their progress and then they come to a place that can be a, a, a place that feeds them, feeds their bitterness, feeds their complaining. They go to, 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 to Moses and say, why? 
Why did you bring us here? Why did God bring us here? Why did we come to a place where there's no water? And often in Israel's story, they would complain to Moses and then to God, and they would say, it's better that we were still slaves. And it would always come out of a moment where they faced a difficulty. And over and over again, God would begin to reveal his faithfulness. And in this story, where God tells them he's the healer, and where God begins to lead them into the place called Elim, which Elim means palm. This is West Palm Beach. God brings them into the place of palms, an oasis, a paradise, a place where the waters become healed at Marah, and then they go to the next place, Elim, and there they, they, they encounter rest. And, and in between, they find out that there's a healer, there's a rescuer, and there's no place God can't lead them where he can't also heal them. And there is no place God will take you that he can't also heal every hurt and make the bitter waters sweet again. See, when something's unhealthy, it's outside of God's intent and design. Unhealthy parents have unhealthy families. Unhealthy leaders have unhealthy teams. Unhealthy individuals have unhealthy relationships. I'll just make it in the church world. Unhealthy pastors have unhealthy churches. So all of these things are true. Unhealthy nations have unhealthy cultures and cultures are not made up just of, of something broad in general. It's made up of people who first have to be reached. This is why church, if we wanna change the nation and we wanna change the culture, we need to reach the one. Do you know every person that gets reached is a story, is a family, is a marriage, is a, is, a, is a destiny that's transformed by the goodness and grace of God that doesn't just affect their life and end with their life, but ripples into our city and into North Iowa. And you don't even see this side of eternity, the impact that your yes to Jesus has made. And God wants to begin to bring healing where we're unhealthy where things are unhealthy. And I love this because we have a healer who can restore, rescue, redeem, and set free. Psalm 68 verse five uh, says, "A father, God is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows. God is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary, those who are isolated alone in families. And if you didn't know, the church is a spiritual family. So even if you're relationally alone in your natural family, God's put you in a family that you may not have even known yet. The day you said yes to Jesus, you got brought into the family of God. You got a whole lot of, you ever show up to a family reunion and you got cousins you never even knew about? Is it, seriously, I, I, I have relatives I've never even met. And I see them at a reunion, I'm like, I don't know you. And then I'll tell them my relationship to them and they're like, I don't know your mom, your grandma. And you find out you've got all these distant relatives. That you, listen, you can meet a believer from any corner of the world and find out you've got family. That's what the church is. And watch what he says. He sets us in family. He gives us identity and purpose and he puts us together and then he brings those who are bound into prosperity. That word prosperity in Hebrew is a word salak that means to move forward in every area of your life. So, so wherever your wall is that you're hitting up against, God wants to break you forward. And whatever is wounded, whatever is bitter, whatever is broken and needing healing, God wants to restore and rescue. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight the paths for your feet 
so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be what? Healed. God wants to heal. He wants to rescue. Here's what we often do. Because we get so used to things being unhealthy, we settle for unhealthy. We get so used to our families being spiritually, emotionally, relationally unhealthy that we settle there. And let's just make it personal. We're so used to our own thoughts being unhealthy. Pastor Jacob last week talked about seeing yourself with value. And so many times we struggle with how we even view ourselves. And I think that comes from something that's unhealthy that God wants to, he wants to redeem. He wants to touch, he wants to reach. And so here's what happens though. If we don't go to the right source for the thing that we need, we'll go to the wrong thing. And many times we medicate a wound with something that can only mask, but it doesn't heal. We cover up, we bury, we push aside, we ignore, we neglect, or we even cover up. And, and I don't know if anybody, when you were a kid, had a problem with picking scabs. I, I'm just gonna be gross for just one second. Just bear with me. Like when you're a kid, you just would, you couldn't, your mom would tell you, stop picking at that. It's gonna scar. And yet you just couldn't stop. Like you just kept messing with it. What happens when you pick at a scab? Does it heal? No, it's not a true question. <laughs> and just like that, we have wounds in our life that if we keep picking at it, it gets infected. And an infected wound is dangerous because the infection doesn't stay contained in the wound. It begins to spread. Here's what Hebrews says about bitterness. It goes on and it tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. How can you fall short of the grace of God? Grace is freely given. Well, it's because God has freely given everything we need, and yet many people will choose something else instead of the grace of God. And he says, lest anyone allow a root, watch the next part of the verse, verse 15, a root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So what's he saying? He says, hey, you gotta be careful that when you come to the bitter waters, the place like Israel came to Marah, when you come to that place in your life and you find yourself bitter or angry or frustrated, what do you do with it? When you're hurt, what do you do with it? When you're wounded, what do you do with it? Well, I believe there's an answer and it's found in the healer. And I'm gonna give you some practical things from the Bible to help you walk in and experience healing in every area of your life. But I want you to see this because here's what happens. If we're not careful, what doesn't get dealt with in the right way and healed will always affect somebody else. I've known people to just spout off stuff and they're, they'll just say something and then they'll follow it up with, well, I just tell it like it is. No, you're just a jerk. <laughs> Anyway, okay, I can edit that out of the podcast. Um, if I'm not careful, I will allow the wounds in my life. If you don't, here, here's, here's what happens. If I don't heal the wounds in my life, I will bleed over people that didn't cut me. I, I had a couple years ago, when we first moved here, in fact, I, uh, <laughs> I made a mistake. I was closing, my garage door didn't have an opener, and I... I 
pulled it down in a hurry to close it. And it's a metal, it's one of those metal ones that like folds over and it, and it makes it flat. But when it's rolling up, it, the, the, the metal slats separate. And so I gripped, instead of the handle, I, in a hurry, gripped in between the slats, pulled it down, and the two slats closed on my finger. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't fun. Uh, I thought I cut my finger off. And it literally, I, I close it up and it crushes my finger and, and I'm, all I can do right now, I, I did the kind of like, I, I, I kind of ran in a circle, like <laughs> just trying to like get my mind off the pain. I walk inside, my daughter who's in the front row, she saw me and she didn't know what was going on and she starts crying and all of a sudden I'm in pain but I'm trying to console her. It's okay. I'm like, it's not okay, it's okay. <laughs> And, and, and later that night, I, I had a shift I was working that evening, and I was moving some stuff, and it was heavy, and when I went to move it, I, I let out this, ah! <laughs> and then I go, move something else, ah! and it was like, I couldn't contain it because I was wounded. And, and, and throughout the next few weeks, and it actually, my finger swelled up, it was ridiculous, thankfully I didn't cut it off, I just, it just caused some damage, um, and it swelled up, but for the next several weeks, any contact I had with the wound created a reaction disproportionate to what just happened. So somebody would bump into me, one of my kids, I would grab a hold of, even grab my coffee mug, and it would hurt. And there would be pain in the moment that had nothing to do with that moment. It had to do with something that hadn't healed yet. And sometimes our reactions are beyond the scope of what just happened to us, but it's because we have an unhealed wound that just got touched. Are you with me? And we need to allow whatever the wound is, and God's a physical healer, he's an emotional healer, he's a, he heals us spiritually. In fact, I, I wanna let you know this because some of our problems, spiritual problems, have, have two aspects to it. One is demonic, the, the enemy comes along to an area where we've allowed access to the enemy to spiritual deception, and that's, you know, the Bible talks about how there's, there's demons, and there's the, the, the spiritual forces of the enemy that, that are almost like flies attracted to a mess. And you know, my, my sister-in-law takes care of horses. She's got all these stables. And, and uh, when they take care of horses, have you noticed that animals leave a mess behind? And if you want to get rid of the flies that they attract, you got to clean out the mess. Well, here's what happens. The enemy comes like those flies, but, but you, you, you can cast out an enemy, but you can't heal an enemy. You have to heal a wound. You can't cast out a wound, and you can't heal a demon, but you can heal wounds, and you can have spiritual authority over any deception that the enemy's bringing. So, so are, are, are you with me? Uh, I know I'm giving you a lot right now, but I want you to catch this because there's a lot of things that I believe we have wounded Christians walking through life, not receiving and experiencing the fullness of healing, and we're staying at our morale. We're staying at the place of bitterness, of brokenness, and unhealed wounds instead of experiencing West Palm Beach. Come on, somebody. Instead of going to the place of healing and restoration and freedom and moving forward, our spouse says something and we get triggered. Our coworker has that promotion and we get triggered. Somebody, somebody takes our seat at church. <laughs> That's my seat. 
And, and we get triggered, why? Because there's something that's unhealed. Whenever my reaction is disproportionate to what's happening in the moment, it's because there's something in my life that needs to be healed. An insecurity, a wound, bitterness, whatever it is. And I've, I've, I've seen this in 20 years of being a pastor and serving in ministry, that when people refuse to receive healing, wounded people are, are drawn to more wounded people. Now, now listen, I'm not talking about we're all hurting, we're all dealing with stuff, we've all fallen short. That's what church is, a spiritual hospital. We don't come perfect, we come messed up to the feet of Jesus and he heals us. But I want you to understand, some people spiritualize their wounds, religify their wounds. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, I just made it up. And, and, and we've become, we come to the place where we begin to justify the woundedness and bitterness attracts bitterness. You can see it in conversations. That if there's one disgruntled person in an environment, they will find themselves surrounded by more disgruntled people. So maybe, <laughs> this was not my plan. Um, if you wanna know what's coming out of your life, look at the conversation around you. And if you don't like what you hear, don't start pointing the finger at them. Ask God what you, where you can get healed, where you can get free. Okay, that's a whole other sermon. Um, and keep moving. You know, we say that time heals all wounds. It's not true. It's actually not. Uh, Jesus does, though. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Time just, time does something. It almost solidifies things. And I've seen people 20, 30 years later from a wounded season of life still talking as if that thing is today. God wants to heal you. That's the good news. Isaiah 53.3, here's the basis of our healing. Jesus was despised and rejected by men. Was your wound caused by rejection? Do you know how I know if I'm walking with a wound of rejection? Because I ask myself constantly what people think of me. If I allow rejection to be what defines my identity, then somebody tells me no and I feel rejected. Somebody tells me they can't, uh, they can't meet me for coffee. Oh, it's because they don't like me. Are, are you with me? Thank you, Nick. Nick's with me. God's acceptance heals the human heart against any rejection by man. He was rejected. A man of sorrow is acquainted with grief. There's no grief you have that he's not familiar with. Can't sympathize, but also bring comfort to. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we didn't esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our sins, our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement needed for our peace was on him. And listen to this last part. By his stripes, and he says by his wounds, with his wounds we are healed. So Jesus goes to the cross and just before the cross, he, they put a crown of thorns on his head. They beat him, they spit on him, they mock him, and they whip him 39 times with a cat of nine tails that literally rips the flesh from his back. 39 times, why would Jesus endure those wounds, those stripes? Well, there's a reason. And it tells us right here, because his wounds mean your healing. Yes. 
His wounds mean your healing. The basis, in fact, Jesus, before the cross, would heal people. He would heal all those who would come to him, all the afflicted, all the sick, all the wounded. And they would come and he would cast out demons and he would heal them. And here's what I love about it. In Matthew chapter eight, it says that he would heal them that it might be fulfilled. He has borne our infirmities and with his wounds were healed. Everything Jesus did before the cross was on the basis of what he was about to accomplish. Why does that matter for us? Because everything he does today isn't because you earned it, deserved it, or good enough for it. It's because he took it 2,000 years ago and paid the price for your healing. So many times we look at somebody else and go, well, surely God will answer their prayer and heal them. But the issue many times for us is not if God can, it's will he? because we know us. And I know if I were to tell you that one out of every 50 people will not get healing in their life, I can tell you most of the people in this room would say, I'm the one. I'm gonna be the one. (laughs) But the problem is when we evaluate life like that, we're looking at our ability, our worth, our, our qualification for it. But the basis of your healing, no matter what it is, is what Jesus accomplished for you with his wounds You're healed. So I want to give you three things real quick on how to heal. I had somebody just recently tell me, they said, I I don't know how to heal. I know I need healing, but I don't know how to heal. And Jesus is the healer. He's the answer. He's the one. And I told you the basis of it. But I want to give you a few things practically that you can put into place. And and I want to take you through this quickly. But number one is this. We need to consider the source. Consider the source. If we go back to Exodus 15, what happened? The people did what? They complained. I can relate to them. I can. And and I can understand how they felt. And in that moment, they complained. But they went to, if you could see the story, when they encountered a need, what did they do? They went to a person instead of the person of God. They went to Moses instead of God. They didn't cry out to God. In fact, they went to Moses and said, Moses, it's your fault. Why'd you bring us here? There's no, this water's nasty. This is not filtered. This is not reverse osmosis purified. Why, why, Why did you bring us to the place of bitter waters? And they complain to Moses. Why? Because they think Moses is the source of their problem. How many of us are not healed in an area of our life because we're looking to a person to either be the cause of the pain or more importantly, we look to a person to be the source of our healing. When they apologize, I can move forward. (laughs) When When they tell me what they did was wrong, then I can heal. And what do you do if they die and they're not able to apologize anymore? Do you just stay perpetually unhealed? Well, as long as they're the source, that's what you're gonna do. But when you recognize, watch what Moses does, verse 25. Moses hears what the people say and he goes to God. God, you gotta do something about this. I love this. Put, put verse 25 up. He cries out to the Lord and the Lord shows him something. When you go to the right source and you cry out to God, God, you give God an opportunity to show you what you need to see. Maybe he'll show you why the wound's there and not getting healed. Maybe he'll show you 
the step you need to take to release something, to forgive somebody, to move forward in an area. Maybe it's something that you're adding to your life that you need to subtract from your life and God will begin to show you. But here's the key. You've got to go to the source. You've got to go to the source. There's a story in the Old Testament of a man named Elisha and Elisha comes to Jericho. Jericho has for generations been under a curse. It's been under a curse since the days of Joshua, in fact. Generations have experienced, and here's what they tell Elisha. They say, Elisha, look at the land. Man, it's a beautiful piece of real estate. But there's a problem. It's barren and unfruitful. The land looks good. Here's the problem with most wounds. They're not obvious. You can have everything, man, everything on social media looks great. But you got a wound. Everything in your job. You, man, you put your best face forward, but you're wounded. In church, how are you doing? I'm blessed. Highly favored. But you got a wound. And as long as you're masking the wound, it's not getting healed. He cries out to the Lord, the Lord shows him. What happens when Elisha hears this? They, they come to him and they say, Elisha, um, we need your help because the land looks good. Everything naturally looks good, but the land is barren and unfruitful. So we can't raise our crops. We can't produce anything from this land. Like nothing is, is the way it's supposed to be. And by the way, the water's bad. Verse 20, here's what Elisha says. Bring me a new bowl, put some salt in it. So they brought it to him. Uh, then he went out to the, verse 21, the source. He went to the source. What does the Holy Spirit do? He highlights, he goes past all of the walls that we've put up. He goes through all of the excuses and all of the reasons why we're justified and, and, why, and, and why we should hold on to this, why we're bitter, why we're angry. He cuts through all of that and goes right to the source. You feel rejected? Don't you know you're adopted? You feel abandoned? Don't you know I never leave you, never forsake you? He goes right to the source of whatever. Do you know that every wound has a message? Every wound has a message. It has a lie attached to it. And that's why we need to go to the truth, to the source, to God, to his word, to the Holy Spirit who can go right to the source of the issue. I am a terrible self-diagnoser. Don't ever spiritually WebMD it. I got a family member that they get a headache, they go on WebMD and they read all the symptoms. Oh my gosh, you have no idea what's wrong with me. It's like, it's just a headache. No, 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 it could be this, it could be that. And they're going through all the list. Do you know some of us have misdiagnosed our spiritual condition? We've misdiagnosed the cause of our marriage issues. We've misdiagnosed the reason why our relationship with our kids is the way it is. We've misdiagnosed our problem at work. We've misdiagnosed all these things. And here's what I love. God comes right through to the source. He says, take me to the source of the water. He puts the salt in there and he speaks the word of the Lord. I've, the Lord says, I've healed this water and from it there should be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day according to the word spoken by Elijah. So number one, we need to consider the source. One, where's the source of the issue? But more importantly, who's the source of our healing? 
Number two, if you're taking notes, is we need to go to God. When we know he's the source, we need to take that next step and do like Moses did. Go to God for your healing. Some of us think everything's automatic. Instead of recognizing we've got to go to the source, we've got to go to God, cry out to, here's what he does. He cries out to the Lord. He prays. He asks God, and God shows him. In every, if every wound contains a lie, then I need to go to the source for the truth, and God begins to speak. Do you know what that requires of me, though? Because here's what I know about wounds. They're really hard to reveal. Unless I'm trusting the source that I'm going to. So nobody ever heals in isolation. The more isolated I get, the more my wounds fester. That's why James 5.16 says, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I need you and you need me. We need each other. We need to pray for one another. Because many times the answer to our healing, do you know why we have groups in our church? Is because many times the healing that somebody needs is found in the prayer of somebody else in that group. And vice versa. Maybe what you need is in the prayer of somebody else. And you think, well, I'm just too busy. I got too much going on. Yeah, but are those other things you're filling your life with gonna heal you? When we get ready in January to have a new round of city groups, I wanna challenge you. We need, we need more leaders. We need more people to say, I'll step in. I don't have it all perfect. I don't have it all figured out, but I'm willing to be available. And then as a church, we get involved, we get connected because we need what others carry. That's the answer. God brings the church together to bring healing and wholeness and freedom. And being willing to be real with what we're dealing with means that we're willing to trust and surrender, and trust is hard many times with people, but I, I, I told somebody this week, I said, don't even, yes, we need to trust people at times in life. I need to have trust in my marriage. I need to have trust in my relationship with my kids. I need to have trust in my friends. All of that's true, but you know people will still disappoint you as much as you expect them not to, but you know who never will? God. You can trust who God is. Trust God and trust as a, like all my relationships, I can trust them because I know even when people hurt me, I've got a healer. People disappoint me, I've got a healer. Okay. Go to the source. What happens when we don't trust? You know what we do? We make what I would call inner vows. We're almost done. Have you ever told yourself, I'll never be hurt again? I'll I'll never let this happen. What they did to me, I'm never gonna let that happen again. Do you know what that is? You're making a vow with yourself. I'm never, if you've ever dealt with poverty, you may have said that to yourself, I'm never gonna be broke again. I'm never gonna allow this to happen. And you know what ends up happening in all of those areas? When you say, I'll never be hurt again, you know what you start doing? You start controlling instead of trusting. You say, God, I'll be Lord of my relationships. Thank you very much. I'll never be broke again. God, I'll be Lord of my finances. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'll be Lord of my circumstances and my situations. I'll be the one who determines. And we make these vows internally that are actually keeping us from healing because to find healing, we have to trust the one who is the healer. We have to say, God, I don't know. 
how, I don't know what, but I'm gonna go to you and I'm gonna ask you to heal. I'm gonna ask you to provide. I'm gonna ask you to be the source. I'm gonna invite you to be at the center. I, I love what Elisha does. When I read that story, he, he, it's kind of a prophetic act, but he, he says, bring me a new bowl. Bring me a new bowl. Put some salt in the bowl and he goes to the source of the water. He pours that in. Just like when God spoke to Moses and God showed him a tree, something had to be applied to the source of the issue. Elisha had to do something new. He said, bring me a new bowl. I wonder how many times we're trying the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Insanity. (laughs) Okay. Uh, If you want something different, you've got to apply something different. Maybe those old vows that you made yourself have got you stuck and it's time for something new. Maybe rehearsing old history and what people said and what people did, maybe it's time for something new. You have a healer, you have a source, and he's faithful. You've got to take something new and apply it. Third and final point goes along with that. Is change your input. Change what you're putting in. So if I feed on bitterness, bitterness will come out. If I feed on life, life will come out. You ever met somebody that's just life-giving? Nick's one of those people. Like I get around Nick and he just, I just get happier being around Nick. Like some people, it's like they feel like it's their calling to be Eeyore. You know what I'm talking about? How you doing? Uh. Some people are full life. You know why Nick's full life? Because he goes to the source. He goes to the source and God fills him up and he has more to give out. And I like to hang around people like that because I need to have more of that. And I want to surround myself with people that fill and pour, but I got to do that first. There's some things that nobody else can do for me. The Bible says it this way, Galatians 6. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he reaps. If I want to change what I'm harvesting in my life, I need to change what I'm planting in my life what I'm sowing in my life. If I wanna change what I'm harvesting in my marriage, I need to change what I'm sowing into that person. If I wanna change what I'm getting out of my relationships, I need to change what I'm putting into my relationships. If I wanna change what's coming out of my heart, I need to change what I'm pouring in to my heart. Is what's coming out of me and you, is it healthy or is it life-giving? Is it unhealthy? Is it a lie? Is it truth? Is it peace? Is it joy? What is it? He goes to the waters of Mara and God shows Moses. He says, see this tree? Cast it in. I think that's a prophetic picture of the effect of the cross and what Jesus paid for that what Jesus accomplished on a tree, nailed to that cross, can be applied to my bitter waters, can be applied to my broken areas of life. He heals my body. He restores my mind. He heals the wounded areas of my heart. He puts together what no one thinks is possible to put together. I've 
One of my greatest joys as a pastor is seeing marriages restored at an altar when the expert said, nothing can change. Oh, but we have a healer. You have a healer. I'm gonna ask you to stand your feet. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come to the front. We'll be out of here in just a moment. But I wanna give you an opportunity to come to the source. And I know I've, I've hit a lot of areas with this because maybe what you need is physical healing. I shared a testimony Friday night at encounter of my grandmother who was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. It was terminal. They said, celebrate Thanksgiving with your family. I was 18 years old. This will probably be your last Thanksgiving. They gave her about four months to live, three or four months. But we found out in our family that we have a healer. And we didn't even fully, I mean, just with where we were at spiritually, like we, we didn't even have a grasp for what God was about to do in her life. And he healed her and she was completely cancer free. And not only did she live four months, we did have Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> but she lived another 18 years. Got to see her great grandchildren. And I just want to tell you that you have a healer. He heals the brokenhearted. Whatever you need, come to the source. It's not a person like us, it's, it's Jesus. He's a person, but, but you hear me. Like we, we look to people to be the answer. We look to a, a system or an organization or we look to all these things, but Jesus is the answer. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? you're in here and you need healing in your life whatever it is maybe it's healing in your relationships there's a wound that will not heal on its own and you need God to step in here's what I'm going to ask you to do with no one looking around here's the trust part, here's the surrender part I want you to bring whatever that is and bring it to Jesus invite him to heal what only he can heal Invite him to show you what only he can show you. If that's you and you need healing in an area of your life, no one looking around, say, that's me. Would you just lift your hands to God? God, I thank you that you're the healer. Nothing is impossible for you. And God, I thank you that on the basis of what Jesus has done, that with your wounds, we were healed. And God, we declare your healing over every life, over every family, over every heart, every body, every mind. And God, we receive your healing. And God, I pray that, Lord, Holy Spirit, you would help us to see the lies we're believing. Help us to see what's keeping us from healing in the wounded areas of our heart? Is there somebody we need to forgive? Is there something we need to subtract, we need to release, we need to let go of? And today we receive healing in Jesus' name.
That's for me. That's for you. You have a healer. In fact, why don't you just tell them that? I have a healer. God, thank you that I have a healer. If you're in here and you don't have a relationship with God, it all begins there. The greatest thing that God ever does in your life is the day he rescues you and transforms your heart, gives you a home in heaven and a future and a purpose, identity, value, and worth that doesn't come from the world and the world can't take it. If you're in here and you don't have a relationship with God or you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, I wanna pray with you right now. Again, no one looking around. We'll be out of here in just a moment. But I wanna pray with you. Like this is the reason Jesus died on the cross because he loves you so much. He cares about you. He wants you to know him more than you've ever wanted to know him. He loves you. If you're in here and you've never received the gift of salvation, the gift of a savior, or today you've been a Christian, but you've been far from God and you need to rededicate your life to Jesus. If either of those are true of you, would you just respond to God right now and lift your hand? I wanna pray with you. Would you pray this with me? I'm gonna ask every Christian in here, every person to pray this with us, to encourage them. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be my savior. Be Lord of my whole life. Today, I surrender my life to you. I give you my heart give you my future and I surrender my past in Jesus name amen amen we love you guys thank you for worshiping with us if you have a need in here and you'd like someone to pray with we trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus to learn more about River City Church find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co